back to that word in a minute, the three words of Jesus. It is finished. I'm going to invite you, if you have a copy of the scriptures with you today, would you open your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 20. As you're turning there, here at Christ Community, I've been doing a series called Victory. Today is part four, but it stands alone. So if you haven't been here, don't worry. But feel free to go to our website. The podcasts are posted there, and you can listen, and you can follow along. But today, as we've looked at 14, John, as we've looked at John 17, today we're looking at John 20. And I'm going to invite everybody, if you would, to stand and hold your scriptures in front of you. You can read along uh, different translations. Please don't read out loud because that'll confuse me because we would uh, be all over the page. But listen to John chapter 20, the gospel writer. I've read this so many times this particular week and over the last three decades, and it still rings with great clarity, with great truth, because it's the eternal word of God. Hear the word of God today. Chapter 20, verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone that had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over, looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb, and he saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as a burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. And the cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen, and finally the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. And they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. And then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she went, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, and one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to my father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am returning to my father and your father and to my God and to your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told him that he had said these things to her. And on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. You can be seated. This is God's proclamation, this Easter celebration, April 4th, 2010. Wow. We're already here. I've been waiting for this. I've been anticipating. And I just want to say again, happy Easter. We're so glad that you determined today that you chose to worship with us, to be our honored guest. Maybe you're a regular part of our faith community, but thank you for coming. And I don't know how you got here. Every weekend people tell me they came because of the web. They found us on the web. They listened on the web. Or maybe a friend brought you today. That would be awesome. Or maybe a family member said, you've got to go with me today if you want to eat. Or maybe your parole officer said, eight weeks of church. I don't know. We don't know. How, that was funny. We don't know how you got here. We don't really care. We're just glad you're here. And God's people said... Man, this is, hey, guess what? We're doing this again next weekend. I just wanted you to know if you wanted to come back. We're going to, but it's going to be a different time. It'll be back at 9.15 and 10.45. Today, apparently that word didn't get out to everybody. People are coming in and go, hey, we're late. Hey, we're just glad you're here. Come on in. Well, let me tell you, 
This week, I get thrilled as a pastor, as a preacher, as a proclaimer, as a communicator to teach God's word to God's people. I was asking the Lord for a word the last few weeks, and this week on Wednesday night, we had the Seder meal right here at Christ Community Church. Here it was. We were getting all ready, and Dr. Ben Alpert, our ministry partner in Israel, was going to come in and discuss, oh, rabbi, believer, teacher, pastor. He was going to break down the Passover feast. And I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. At 5 till, Ben sat right there. It was 625, and he looked at me. I said, Ben, you don't look so good. He says, oh, man, I'm not feeling good. And he just was starting to turn kind of green. You know, that's not a normal color. And he didn't look good, kind of convulsed. And I said, man, he says, man, pastor. I said, brother, you need to go. He goes, I need to go. I need to go to ER. Where's the ER? Now, I've been preaching 28 years, but I've never heard a guy. I've never had a guy come in and go, I'm leaving. But I said, man, you need to go. And his son, one of our elders, Nathan, ushered him out and took him. And I went over there later. And let me tell you, right down today, just Ben, Dr. Ben Alpert, still pray. He's still in terrific pain. He's had kidney stones, swelling. Matter of fact, I just got word he's about to go crazy. I think he just ripped some IVs out of his arm. He's really in bad shape. We were praying for Dr. Ben Alpert. But he was here. And then I said, God, what are we going to do? People were coming in. We were all set up. And they were looking at me like, you don't look like a Jew. And I'm not. And uh, I just follow one. You know what I'm saying? And, and I'm like, okay, Lord, what are we going to do? And God gave me a word. He, and and, and here, here comes uh, Jason. Jason, get your guitar. And here comes Jeremy. In the back. Hey, get to the piano. And we sang some songs. And we looked at the word. And we prayed. And we had church. And it was a powerful time because God's people came together. I went, God, that was pretty awesome. That was Wednesday night. But then Thursday, you're saying, oh, yeah, you're liturgical. You're, that means religious. It means, hey, you're going to be, uh, you're going to look for Maundy Thursday, uh, the Lord's Supper. No. We were having our first nighttime service ever to our video venue that I do down the road at Troy University called Momentum Ministries. We had our record crowd of all time because students at that university has a lot of transition and people come and go and hundreds come through, but we have a really good solid core. And they came and others and we praised and we worshiped and we had testimonies. And it was an amazing night of worship and declaration and music and more worship and prayer. And we celebrated Holy Communion. And let me tell you what up to the preacher. I'd asked earlier, I'd been down there. We had planned out the service. I said, I want two testimonies, a young man, a young woman. They said, we got them. Man, they were awesome said four minutes apiece and i told you they were awesome didn't i the first one got up powerful word went 16 minutes let me tell you this preacher you start sweating you're going okay god help me by the time the young man got up powerful word he ought to be in prison or shot it's amazing the sin and debauchery and stuff he's lived in and he got up and proclaimed jesus christ 12 minutes that's 28 what's 28 minus 8 20 i got a 20 minute how are we gonna do it god how are we gonna do it and god just said and i'd studied all day i was ready to proclaim god's word and he said let me tell you i want you to put it down i've given you a word from revelation 12 actually he told me revelation and i went to looking you, you ever been on a spot and you can't find your scripture and i'm looking i'm in a dark room you think this is dark it was real because the college kids they because they got 2020 they love it dark and lots of candles and I'm, I'm running around the back going jesus help me but i can't see and i'm looking and i'm looking and I finally i find the word revelation 12 it says they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony and i weaved it back into what the holy spirit had been doing and man we were having a glorious time and we spoke and we share and we challenged and they worshiped and people from all over the campus and then the most amazing thing happened and crosby theater with the bottom pretty full I gave an invitation for Jesus Christ. And that night I said, you know what? If you won't stand for Christ in here, you won't in the world. I said, I want you to stand and confess Jesus Christ at the salvation call. And four students stood up unashamedly for Jesus. 
they gave their hearts. They were born again. That place broke out in thunderous applause. I thought, glory. I thought I was doing my T.D. Jakes impressions. Man, I was fired up. You know what I'm saying? It was awesome. I was becoming Pentecostal for the moment. And then I was like, yeah, God. And then we had Holy Communion. I invited the four to come and receive their first communion in the family of Jesus Christ. We worship. That was Thursday night. And then God said, you ain't got the Sunday yet because Sundays are coming. It's here. And I'm giving it everything I got. And when I leave here, I'm going to go eat and go to sleep. But here's, here's the bottom line. Jesus Christ is here today. And he invited you to be in this living room. And he invited some of you to be born again today. You're going, oh, oh, but you don't want to walk away from Jesus. So here he is, the passion of the Christ, the passion of Jesus. John chapter 20. We'll, we'll kind of walk through this story. So get ready, get ready to write or more than that, get ready to receive your spirit. There's a magazine that a lot of us read or look at from time to time. Actually, I've got one issue I decided about 15, 20 years ago I wouldn't look at, and I don't. I've been true to that. It's called the spring uh, edition of Sports Illustrated. <laughs> My flesh just don't need to go there. And all the men say, well, all the women said, yeah, I knew y'all would agree with me. And the men going, yeah, I like that issue. Anyway, hey, yeah, you like the articles. Yeah, right. Okay. But anyway, in 2001, there was a Sports Illustrated article. And I want to tell you what it said. I, I love this. It said, the top 10 comebacks of all time. And then I'm going to list the top five. Listen to them today. This is amazing. It, Number five was Muhammad Ali, 1974, comeback there with the George Foreman knockout in Zaire. He, you know, he lost his title, he lost his boxing license, and he came back. And they said that was the fifth greatest moment. Then the fourth was one of my personal favorites at the time. He's uh, not a believer, so he's definitely not my, he's not my favorite today. But his name is John Travolta in disco. You know, Pastor Keith used to have these big old collars and lots of hair and disco shoes. And anyway, that's enough about me. But uh, he 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 came back from really uh, stumbling and he launched onto some movie called Pulp Fiction and he started making some money again. Then the uh, the third one was, oh, I love this one, Michael Jordan, 1995. He decided to quit baseball. And do you know where he played baseball? Just north of here, Birmingham Barons in Birmingham, Alabama. Matter of fact, when he got there, he didn't have his plush jets. He didn't have the jets of the jet scene or his own jet. They had an old broken down bus. So guess what Michael did? He went out and bought him a bus. They love Michael in Birmingham. You know what I'm saying? You got a sorry bus and you get a custom bus. Hey, you can play him if you can't play, bro. But he made his triumphant comeback into basketball. The number two was Japan and Germany back from the 1950s. The former Axis powers of the world, they rose from the ashes of World War II and they became uh, industrial superpowers. But listen to what a secular magazine did about the number one comeback all time. Jesus Christ, 33 AD, defies critics and stuns the Romans with his resurrection. Isn't it awesome? Yeah. That was the number one about sports. Jesus Christ, number one comeback. And some of you are like, well, my basketball team, that was a comeback. No, your basketball team choked. I've already, I've already heard about them. I don't know who's going to win it. But here's the deal. There's a message truth, and I want you to look there quickly with me. Look in the center of your worship guide. It says the passion of Jesus drives him to the cross. But, oh, how he showed his love. Death seems so cruel, so harsh, so final. But that is what the disciples were feeling when they saw their Lord hanging on Christ on the cross, defeated destructive but the story does not end in death and defeat but easter brings circle it hope we're going to talk about some hope today because i'm learning one thing in 2010 i've never seen the world i've never seen america i've never seen alabama i've never seen montgomery more hopeless than it is today 
But there's a hope-filled Savior that's here, and he wants to meet you, and he wants to come into your life. Matter of fact, victories are important to us. You know, I was thinking about how important victories are. I, uh, I've always been competitive, and uh, there, there's one sport I'm not very competitive. I hadn't played in several years because when I had a neck injury, that overhead action kind of messed me up, so I quit. But I could volley pretty good. I could play with the big boys volleying. The only problem was my serve is pathetic. Anybody got a sorry serve besides me? I mean, I hit the serve, and they back in my mouth with it. You know, it's like, dude, you got to put some heat on it. Well, you know, it don't have any heat. But the thing is, here's what I do when I play tennis. I play with people that are good. I go, let's just volley. Why is that? Because I don't want to keep score. But listen to what Vince Lombardi says. He says, if winning isn't everything, why don't we keep score? Because score is important. I always ask people, how about the T-ball game? Who won? Oh, pastor, they, they don't keep score. Oh, and the mom's like, yeah, it's 23 to 6. But we don't keep score. See, we just have that inherent thing. We want to keep score. But let me tell you, God kept score. And he won. He had the victory of all time over the grave. And God's team wins. Now, let's look at this. Jesus Christ dead. The Easter possibility only yesterday now is motionless, dormant, lays in an empty tomb. Man, there's no hope. There's this motionless Savior. He's dead. It appears by all right that he's defeated, that he's not going to make it. The pictures of the disciples now, the disciples, I've always thought the disciples were quick-witted. They were quick-tongued. They were bold and they were courageous. But when I read this gospel account, they were not very bold. Does this sound bold to you? Fleeing to their house behind locked doors. Wimps. Because they were fearful of their lives being taken because they had associated with Jesus. Because they had been with Christ, they were afraid that they would be crucified maybe like him or maybe upside down, but like, hey, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna follow the Christ. So it's, it's, it's a tough thing. And, and I got a question today. Just write it somewhere. Have you ever lost your hope? When you lose your hope, you lose your way. When you lose your hope, you just seem like you're discouraged. You, you don't feel like you can go on. And, and, and here it is. Like sometimes we hang hope on different things. We, we hang hope on our spouse. We hang hope on our friends sometimes. We certainly hang our hope on our children and their accomplishments. And if they do well, we sometimes live our lives through them. But uh, we hang our hope on a secure future. We hang it on whatever. And then the job market, as it has in the last couple of years, goes south and things are kind of ruined. And financially, things are not good for you. You're like, well, I, I hung my hope on that, but it didn't go. Or your heart gets crushed and you, you go dark and you feel all alone. You feel confused. Well, here it is in John 20. He says that, they went over to the tomb, and the, stu- the tomb had been, uh, it was there, but it was empty. The stone was rolled away. You could just peer right in, and, and you could look, and you could see that. But Mary, she had come. She was coming to embalm Jesus. She was coming to anoint him because the events of the crucifixion and the burial and resurrection happened so quickly, she wasn't able to, but she loved her God. She loved her Lord. She loved Jesus, the anointed one. And she came to, to embalm him. And when she got there, man, it, it was rolled away. So what did Mary do? She bolted off to find the disciples and tell them, our crucified Lord that was crucified for us and buried, he's not here. Somebody's stolen his body. Somebody's taken him. And, and the gospel writer, he, the gospel writer I read to you, his name is John. John talks about himself. He gets braggadocious. John says these words. I want to to give it to you in the Greek the best I can. Ready? Here it is in the Greek. Peter, I'll whip your butt to the tomb. 
You could laugh. That's okay. That's pretty, pretty good. That's pretty good. You know what he's saying? He says, Peter, I outran you to the tomb. And he tells everybody. And for centuries we've read that John outran Peter. But he gets him. Peter is a little older. Peter comes up. And John opens the way and says, and Peter, my elder, you may come in first. And he let Peter go in the tomb. I think he was scared. I think that's why he let Peter go in first. He didn't know what was going to be in there. Like, man, I don't know. See, they somehow they had been with Jesus, but they weren't with Jesus. They had heard Jesus. They had seen his evidence. They'd seen his miracles. But they somehow neglected some of the key words, especially the key word, the resurrection, and, and they missed it. So here they find nothing. And yet Jesus said over and over and over, I will die and I'll rise again. I'll die and my father will raise me. But somehow this teaching didn't resonate with them. It didn't resonate with Mary. And I was just thinking today, will you grapple with that truth? Did he or didn't he rise from the dead? We'll talk about that. You consider the eternal implications. You have a raw moment. You, you get honest with God. That's what happened on the university campus this week. It's what happened in the last service as some people made commitments to Jesus Christ. I believe that's what will happen here. But Mary, she's confused. She's hurt. She's disappointed. See, Jesus had healed Mary. Mary Magdalene was known to have had seven demons. The demoniac, the, the demon possessions, the, the oppression. Man, life was tough. But one day, Jesus touched her. Jesus delivered her from the torment and the strongholds and the pain of her life. And she knew redeeming love. She had never known love. She knew what it was to be an outcast. But that day she found redeeming love in Jesus. And I want you to write this statement down, and, and I think it will make sense to you. When you've truly been redeemed, you can't walk away from Jesus. When you've truly been redeemed by the Master... You can't walk away from him. Now, you can walk away from religion easily. And you can walk away from church and you can walk away from other things, but you cannot walk away from a redeemer that lives and reigns and rules and changes your life. So here she is. Mary is to the tomb and she stumbles onto the angels, the scripture says. And I don't know, maybe they're in an angel outfit or whatever that looks like. But man, they, you know, it's like, well, man, she's sad. She, they say, well, Mary, why, why are you crying? What are you looking for? Well, you know, she was looking for the Messiah. She was looking for Jesus. And it seems like an odd, difficult, weird kind of question. But the truth is they, they were proclaiming the resurrection in an indirect way because they knew and, and she should know that Jesus would rise. And that's why the tomb was empty. But she's concerned that somebody stole his body. Somebody's taken it away. And it's just not tough. And, and she says this. I won't rat you out. If you'll just tell me where he is, my little 110-pound body, I'll just drag Jesus back and I'll prepare his body. But it's not what she's to do. And you read that account and we just tend to run through the gospel. See, Mary, I want you to see something. Mary was always where Jesus was. Mary had had her life spared. Mary had had the blood of Jesus splattered on her from the cross. She was so close. She was within an earshot of Jesus Christ when he died. She loved her Savior. She loved her friend. She wasn't about to leave because he had changed life. So I want to give you six realities from the tomb. Get ready to write. Number one, there are benefits to not running away from Jesus. 
It's just smart, it's prudent, it's wise not to run from Christ. Where are you this morning? Have you departed from the God of your youth? It's time to come home. Have you departed from the God that you served when you were in your 20s or 30s or 50s? It's time to come home. Take the time this week to investigate the life-changing news of the resurrection. Try to poke a hole in the resurrection story. Josh McDowell, Lee Strobel, great men, erudite men and women of faith have tried to disprove the resurrection. And every time you try to poke a hole in the resurrection, you only come out finding that Jesus Christ is exactly who he said he was. Amen. But you go ahead and try. It's not a big deal for me. We had a creation evangelist here. We packed this place with about 450 people a night. And people would come and hear the claims of creation, the claims of deity, the claims of Christ. And some people just need more than others. Some of us are just a little more simple-minded. I've studied the deep theologies of faith, but I'm just a little simple-minded in this pursuit. And I go, I believe Jesus is who he said he was. But Mary wanted to know here look look here who are you this morning are you are you a skeptic do you need to investigate we can uh, reference your books but i want you to write down this faith always snaps a picture when you have biblical faith it snaps a picture of who god is i, I remember when i first snapped my first picture of faith at 19 years of age and i've been snapping shots of faith and grace ever since and somehow we miss it the marvelous light of christ begins to penetrate and dawn it comes and it hits the darkness you see our whole faith hinges on the fact of the resurrection of jesus christ or the bible says pity the man pity the person that would follow a christ if he didn't rise from the dead Oh, but friend, Jesus Christ got up one Sunday morning and he rose and he reigns forever. My Redeemer lives. Hallelujah. Does your Redeemer live? You're like, well, no, man, I'm kind of dormant. You know, I don't get too vocal about my faith, Pastor. You know, that's for preachers to do. No, it's not. You've been believing the lies of the enemy. Let me give you point two. Jesus always has more for us if we'll be open to his work in our lives. He's the more God. He's the now God. Jesus Christ has so much for you and I to do right now. More hope, more grace, more love, more joy, more redemption, more of him. I'll give you a passage. I want you to write down the passage, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It's my favorite passage in the book of Ephesians. I've prayed this many times. I prayed it over a Hong Kong partner when he was preparing to leave Auburn University to go to Hong Kong to take the gospel. I've prayed it over my kids for years. I've prayed it over you. I've prayed it over our church. Let's look at Ephesians 3.20. It says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, but to him who is more, to him who is able to do more. How many of you believe God can do more than you're doing right now in your life? Much more. You're like, but but, but God needs my help. God don't need your help. He don't need my help. He's going to get his will done. Now, he chooses to use us, and we need to cooperate with God. I, I was thinking, do we live in a grace environment? Where when people sin and blow it, they find forgiveness and redemption. My prayer is, God, make this a grace place. Oh, we love the law. We love the precept. But, oh, I don't want to be a legalist. You know what I'm saying? A legalist will just strain you and take all the joy out of your life. I want to follow Christ. How about you? So Mary here, she finds out more. The disciples, they find out more. And they think it out. And he's a God of the more. But the third point is he knows her sin and he still offers forgiveness. He knows our sin, and he still offers forgiveness. I want you to look with me now. Y'all go ahead and hit it, team. We've got our top five sinners that are going to come up on screen. We're going to see their sin. 
There ain't no way. Could you imagine? That'd be a great way to clear the house. If we ever show people sin on that screen, I'm running. You know what I'm saying? Could you imagine us? We have video cam. God, no, we have God cam. We're following believers around this week and we'll have their testimonies live next Sunday. Some of you are like, dude, I'm going to that church. But what if it was you? <laughs> well, I, I, you know, not, cause you know what I found out about sin? My sin ain't too bad. Your sin is atrocious. We embrace our sin. I think it was Billy Sunday once said, we treat sin like a cream puff, but we ought to treat it like a rattlesnake, but we don't. Listen, hey, that was free. If you were in the first service, I didn't say that. Okay, here we go. So here it is. So kids hurt or whatever. We, we, we struggle here. We, we know our sin, more love, more power. But from the grave this morning, from the empty tomb, it screams to us that you can be forgiven of your sins. Now, let me give you a great thing about that. You can be pardoned from your past. Does anybody in here have a past you're not proud of? Raise your hand. Hey, Cheryl, take some pictures. I want to see all that. Uh, raise them high. Of course, you're like, my past is in the past. It needs to be under the blood. That's right. Y- your past is it- just not very attractive. This young man that got up the other night and he started testifying. He's 21 years old. I did not know a 21-year-old could sin so much. And been smoking marijuana since he was six years old. Just quit three months ago. Then he was running around with a married woman for two years. I'm going, dude, this is Jerry Springer at Troy University. But let me tell you the great news about grace. The man that he'd been fooling around with his wife. He's the one that showed him grace and he forgave him. And he called him and told him he was forgiven him. That boy says, I must make it right with Jesus. That's how powerful grace is this morning. I don't care where you've been, what you've done. Grace and forgiveness is here in the person of Jesus Christ. Romans 3.23, let's look at it quickly. All of us have sinned, yet God declares us not guilty. If we trust Jesus Christ by his grace, it freely takes away, washes, cleanses us from sin. Pardon. So he says, why are you crying? Well, have they taken Jesus away? She's talking to the gardener, she believes. Like, well, have they taken away? And the last time that Mary heard the voice of Jesus was what I pointed to the screen earlier. It is finished. That's the last words that she heard. And then Jesus closed his eyes. And as he died and was laid to rest in the tomb, in a buried tomb, she thought, man, the one that changed me, there's no hope. And then all of a sudden, in verse 16, you find the account of the gospel and it says, Mary, she went, Mary, wait, wait. I know the voice of this. He is the one that healed me of my past. He healed me of my demons and my demonic activity. Death has somehow now become life. She begins to see Christ for who he is. Mary lunges. She presses toward and into her Redeemer. Wow, it's a picture of grace. So this morning, it might be dark for you. Maybe your sin, maybe your failures, maybe your mistakes. But Easter reminds you and me that it's the dawn of a new day, a new beginning. And with Jesus Christ, we can begin anew every single day. Is that good news? I don't know about you, but man, I'm so grateful for a Savior. That His blood cleanses from every sin, iniquity, 
So why would you want to not be close to Christ and run from him? Four, hope is around the corner. It might be behind you. There it is. It's, it's right behind her. Hope is just around the corner for you. Maybe you're going to make that sale. Maybe you're going to pass that test. Maybe this relationship's going to heal. It's just around the corner. Maybe it's just Jesus Christ right behind you calling your name. Do you have ears to hear? If Jesus is calling you this morning, will you respond in faith? Will you humble your heart? He surrendered himself at the Garden of Gethsemane. And he surrendered himself not to his will, but the Father's will be done, that he would freely offer his life as a sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. But he surrendered. This morning, Christ is going to call people in this room to surrender. And you're saying, well, my hope is in my properties that I own. My hope is in my portfolio. My hope is in my popularity. No, friend, your hope needs to be eternal, needs to be in the person of Jesus. Oh, God, where are you? The, here are the guys that hung out with Jesus, and they departed. They ran, but Mary hung around. Man, she loved her God. She was close. She was in uh, that close proximity. And there's no hope apart from Christ. Oh, you can maybe have temporary hope, but it won't last. This week... Ben Alpert comes to do the Seder meal. He gets sick and goes to the hospital. Not how I picked Holy Week. My wife comes in Thursday. We're getting ready to go to the university. We've been planning and praying for this for weeks. Couldn't wait to be a part of that experience. She comes in and goes, I just got off work. I'm headed to the doctor. Mom can't breathe. She's at Primed. She's been in the hospital for the last few days and got out yesterday. Praise God. That's not the way we planned Easter. You know what I'm saying? And life is just full. Here's what I'm telling you. Life is full of uncertainties. So you better anchor to something that's eternal and hopeful. And that hope is Jesus. Amen. You know, we don't know if we're going to lose our life tomorrow, our jobs tomorrow, our fortunes, our friends or whatever. But we don't lose Jesus, do we? When we get secure, John Mark, when we get secure in Jesus, we're eternal, aren't we, brother? That blood cleanses and washes and holds us, and we're presented spotless before God because of the lamb that I'm bragging on today. Oh, God, thank you for security. But some of you are like, well, man, that's about the only security I got. That's right. It's the only security God wants you to have. But look at 5. Easter says you can hope again. In his great mercy, he's given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Hope means you don't have to fear. The promise of hope is eternal. The promise of hope is Jesus. Jesus Christ crucified and raised. So Jesus calls you today. He calls you by name. And are you going to struggle? Are you going to hold on to your fears? Are you going to hold on to your addictions? Are you going to hold on to your past mistakes and failures? Or are you going to let go? Are you just going to say, you know what? Today is the day. Today is the acceptable day of salvation for some that will trust Christ. But no, pastor, I want to hold on to the regrets of the past. I just want to nurse my sin. How foolish. For this we have Christ. For this we have Christ raised for us. The resurrection of one man, Jesus Christ, leads to the resurrection of all men. Oh, God. Life comes out of death and empty cross across a road away stone. The reappearing of Jesus Christ. They're symbols of a Savior that liberates because our Redeemer lives. There it is. He lives. You'll see why I'm saying that word so much. Number six, don't be afraid because Jesus says, I won't leave you without some help. I'll give you peace and I'll give you the Holy Spirit. Wow. Now, if you'll go to the podcast, if you weren't here and you'll listen to the promise of Jesus, it's all about John 14, the promise of the Holy Spirit. I don't have time to unpack it, but here's the deal. If you are weak 
today, if you have weaknesses in your life, if you have mess-ups, if you need guidance, if you need direction, you need the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is for all that will name the name of Jesus Christ, make their confession of faith, believe with all their heart on the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone to save you. The Bible says Christ will come in, invade, give you the Holy Spirit, seal you, mark you against that day of redemption. Hallelujah! Is that cool? It's awesome. The Holy Spirit's here. He's moving. He brought you here today. You say, no, my parole officer brought me here. Well, they might have brought you here, but I don't want y'all to think we just got anybody from prison. That would be cool. You know, I, I don't care. We'll go to prisons. Okay. But help us in our weakness. Colossians 2.14. Turn there quickly. Here it is. Colossians chapter 2. You said you're in John. Well, we're going to Colossians now. Look at it quickly. I'll back up right before that. It says, God made you alive with Christ, and he forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written codes with its regulations that was against us, that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. He took your sin and my sin and nailed it to the cross of Golgotha, the place of the skull. And that sacrificial lamb, is why I can stand up here with confidence and joy and grace and forgiveness. And it's not that we fight to get victory. The victory has already been secured. It was won when Jesus said, it is finished. Didn't you love that girl's voice when that video came on? I just love that voice. Like, I wish I could talk like that. Although I don't want a girl's voice, but it was really cool. You know, I went to Israel in 99 and, uh, went up to the tomb of Jesus, and I went to where Lazarus, they said this is where Lazarus came forth. And I went in both of them, and in those tombs, nobody was there. They were empty. And in Israel, through the centuries, there's no bag of bones because Jesus Christ ascended. He was raised from the dead. And why was he raised? Because he said he would be. Because he says, I have the keys of life and death, and I am the Alpha and the Omega, and I'm the Redeemer, and I own life. And I have the power to cancel sin. And this morning, you have gathered in this place. Today, you have gathered in this assembly for this reason right now. I'm going to try to point you as hard as I can to realize this. God is for you. He's not mad at you. He's not. He, matter of fact, God has reminded me to tell you all today that he is madly in love with you. He's crazy about you. He he. He, he never sleeps. He never slumbers. He's constantly thinking. He lays down his life and he wants me to remind us, do not give up on hope because hope is a resurrected Christ. And today when you lose your hope and you lose your way, I hope you'll look to Jesus. Now, today will be very clear. I believe there are people right now that need to do business with God. They need to get raw. They need to get honest. They need to throw off hypocrisy. They need to throw off religion. They just need to put on Jesus Christ and be robed in the garments of their Savior. And uh, this is the day of salvation that you can receive forgiveness and you can receive a eternal, forever and ever Savior, Lord, and King. So hope is alive today in Jesus Christ. Do you doubt your salvation? Do you think if you died today, where would you go to eternity? Would you spend it in heaven or hell? Well, Christ says, I've paved the way to the Father. So this is your day. So I want you to bow your heads. Would you bow your heads with me? And I'm going to ask some people to do something very bold right now. I'm going to ask you to, uh, if something in your heart has resonated with Jesus Christ today, if something that you sense the Spirit of God is drawing you, would you... Uh, just be honest and open to him. And 
If you sense that today you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you want to make a recommitment of your life, you, you want to get right with God, with heads bowed, would you raise your hands all across the living room if you want to do something like that? Would you just raise your hands? You, you want to find hope today. Just raise them high. Is there anybody who wants to do that? Last service we had people that did that. That's right. God bless you. God, that's right. God wants to do something in you. Amen. You know what? Would you just pray a prayer something like this? But the, it's not so much the words, it's the intent of the heart. It's that you want to pray it to the Father. Lord Jesus, I need you. I am a sinner and I have failed you miserably and I open my heart to your way and to your life today. Lord, would you come into my heart today? I need forgiveness. I need resurrection. So, Lord Jesus, I open the door of my heart and I invite you to come and invade me and fill me with your life and your hope. Cleanse me by your blood, Lord Jesus, and be my Savior and Lord. I pledge my heart to you by faith and I'll live for you. May I never look back, but may I look to the cross and may I follow you. I give you my life today completely in the name of Christ. Now, here's what we're going to do. At the end of this service, there'll be some elders at both the crosses. If anybody wants to go there and receive prayer or share your decision of faith, that'd be awesome. Um, I'm going to have you seated just for a little bit, and then I think Hannah will probably invite you to stand. But we are fixing to raise the roof. We are going to worship the Lamb of glory because I know in whom I believed my Redeemer lives. Worship team, band, bring us to the throne once again. taught the sun where to stand in the morning who told the ocean you can only come this far and who showed the moon where to hide till evening whose words alone can catch a falling star well I Very same God who spins things in 